0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Listen as I uh, read this Russian parable on compromise, this Russian parable on compromise. A hunter raised his rifle, took careful aim at a large bear. He was about to pull the trigger. The bear spoke in a soft, smooth, soothing voice. Isn't it better to talk than to shoot? What do you want? Let's negotiate. Well, lowering his rifle, the hunter replied, I want it fur a coat. Well, good, said the bear, that's negotiable because I want a full stomach. So let us, ne- let us compromise, let us negotiate. Well, they sat down and negotiate, and after some time, the negotiations had been successful. The bear walked away alone. The bear had a full stomach, and the hunter had his fur coat. <laughs> You'll get that on the way home. The bear ate the hunter. Hunter had full coat. Bear, okay. Chapter 29, they don't all work. (laughs) Chapter 29, look at verse three, let's see, last week we covered uh, two chapters, we actually got into chapter 30 from chapter 29, so look at verse three of chapter 29, the Philistines and Israel are getting ready for battle, and the leaders of the Philistines recognized David, they said, what are these Hebrews doing here? King Achish said, this is David, the servant of Saul. He defected to our side. He's good, and he's a faithful fighter for us. I haven't seen any signs as he's a traitor of any kind. He won't turn on us. Look at verse 4 of chapter 29. The Philistine leaders said, we're not having this. Send him away and don't allow him to go to battle with us. Verse 6, Achish called David and said, man, you got to go. You've been a good servant to me, but the leadership, they don't like you. Verse 8, David said, What have I done, Akish? You used to like me. Wah, wah, wah. Verse 9 through 11, Akish says, David, I don't know what to tell you. The leaders don't like you, they don't know you, and they don't want to know you. So in the morning, you need to pack your bags and get gone. Verse 11, early in the morning, David got up and he went to Ziklag. Chapter 30, verse 1, King James says, It came to pass. Uh, The New King James says, now it happened. The King James says it came to pass that David and his men came to Ziklag. I told you that Ziklag represents the place of compromise. Y'all keep up with me, all right? Ziklag represents the place of compromise. Ziklag represents a lack of trust on David's part in God. Ziklag represents false security. But more importantly, Ziklag is outside of the will of God for David. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 30, the new King James says, now it happened. King James says it came to pass. It sounds like it just happened that David came to Ziklag. But if you've been with us, you know it didn't just happen. It happened after David was spiritually worn out and weary and exhausted. It happened because David was running from the Lord. It happened after David was fresh out of rebellion. When David came to Ziklag, he was discouraged, depressed, and backslidden. It happened because of one bad decision after another. So now David, 600 in debt, stressed out, and discontent men, their wives and their children. Are you listening? Their wives and their children, their dogs and their cats, they all are in Ziklag. David has two wives there. They take up residence in Ziklag for approximately 16 months. And David is in a place that he thought he'd never be, doing things that he thought he'd never do. Somebody can say amen to that. I was in a place I thought I'd never go, doing things I thought I'd never do. Never say never. Always say, if the Lord wills or say, by his grace, I won't do this. By his grace, I will not because the very thing live long enough. You know what I'm talking about. Live long enough. The very thing you say you will never do is the very thing you do. Isn't that true? You'll find yourself doing it. So David is in a place where he thought he'd never be doing things he thought he'd never do. David is among the ungodly, ready to fight against his own people. Well, chapter 30, verse 1, the Amalekites look at it. And the Amalekites know that the Philistines in Israel are getting ready for battle, so it's a great time to get revenge on David. They attacked Ziglag and they burnt it down to the ground. Verse two tells us they burned the city and took women and children captive. And when David and his men get back, they come to to a burned down city. Their wives and children and grandchildren, everyone is gone. They don't know if their wives and children are under the rubble of the burned city and houses Or have they been taken captive? They don't know that. Well, verse five and six, David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, was taken as well. And David is stressed out and things are as bad as they can get. They are so bad, even his own men want to stone him. Now put yourselves in their sandals. These are David's men. These are the men who came to David to be their leader. Remember in the cave of Adullam. Remember that? These are the men who said, we'll stand with you, David, we'll fight. These men left their families, at least for a while, to fight with David. And now things are falling apart. They're physically tired, spiritually tired. Their soul is grieved. And now their families are gone. Not only that, but they've watched David over the years because David, remember, I told you, David had been on the run from Saul for approximately 10 years. He was only in Ziklag for 16 months, but he's been running from Saul for 10 years. So these men are are tired. They're physically exhausted. They're emotionally exhausted. And they have watched David time and time and time again become an actor and a hypocrite. They've watched his bad example over and over, a liar, a murderer, a thief. So now the Amalekites have burned what little they had and taken their families, and now they're looking at David and thinking, this is your fault. Well, in fact, listen, it wasn't all David's fault. Some of, some of it was the fault of Saul. Because remember, God told Samuel to tell Saul to kill, what, saints? All the Amalekites. And what I tell you about that word, all. Good Bible students. All means all, and that's all all means. God said, through the prophet Sammy, go to Saul and tell him to kill all the Amalekites, men, women, boys, girls, infant, nursing child, oxen, camel, kill all the Amalekites. And they didn't do that. He didn't do that. You know the story. Saul killed all that he wanted, and he kept the best stuff, and he kept the king. He kept King Agag alive, remember? And when Samuel met Agag, he took an axe, and he hacked Agag to pieces. Man, that must be rated R for extreme and graphic violence. Because when God tells you to do something, you do it. Somebody say amen. Amen. <laughs> And if Saul had obeyed the command of God, listen, if Saul would have obeyed the command of God, this little burn scene would never happened. It would have never happened. In other words, sin will come back at you. I thought of this verse today. This is a good verse for you to hear. Remember, Ecclesiastes 8.11 because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Sometimes, listen, Christians mistake grace for approval. Oh, I need y'all to say amen right there. Uh huh. I heard you. Mm. That's good, pastor. That's good. Yep. But I need you to say amen there because sometimes Christians mistake grace for approval. In other words, well, now I'm involved in this sin. Well, you know, we're living together and things are going good and, you know, things are going great and nothing's really happened so far. And so, you know, God must not be that concerned about it or he'd do something. Listen, God doesn't forget about sin like your mama. Y'all remember that? I'm from the old school, y'all. Now, I I tell y'all all all the time because I want you to remember, and I'm hoping maybe I can reach a few young folk. Don't go along with this culture and and giving Johnny time out. Don't do that. Amen. Amen. Knock out. Not time out. Knock out. Amen. Some of y'all gonna call the child abuse protection people on me. I know that. That's all right. I'm gonna talk, I don't handle no kids. Amen. I got a German shepherd. That's it. My kids are grown out the house. I got grandkids. It's different when you're a grandparent. Oh, it's so painfully different. Isn't it? Grandparents, don't you? Oh, it's so painfully, I didn't even think it would be this way. It's like when, when my kids, I'm like, oh, I was tough on my kids. Y'all ask them. They will tell you I was tough on them. Get up out the bed. Because y'all know I got military. Get out the bed. It's 2 o'clock in the morning that I told you to clean that kitchen. Y'all don't know nothing about that. I told you to clean that kitchen. Well, there's a, Dad, I did. It's just a glass in the sink. Then the kitchen ain't clean. (laughs) If I told you to clean it and there's a glass in the sink, then it ain't clean. (laughs) I was tough on my kids. But you know what? I didn't have to knock them out too many times. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) Actually, it was all good. But I'll tell you what. I tell you what, I was tough on them because I love them. I was tough on them because I know. I'll wait while you clap your hands. I was tough on them because I know that if I'm not tough on them, somebody else out there put a bullet in their back and they won't even care. I love you. If I hurt you, it's I hurt you because I love you. It's the same love that God has toward us. God chastises us because He loves This ain't in my notes. God chastises us because he loves you and he knows what the enemy will do to you if you keep going down that path. So you keep going down that path thinking, let me have my verse back again, please. You keep going down that path thinking that God hasn't executed judgment. Therefore, what you're doing must be okay. God does not forget about sin. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you this and then we're going to move right on. That is why God told told Samuel to tell Saul to execute the Amalekites for what they did to Israel 400 years earlier when they were coming out of Egypt and, and the Amalekites mistreated them and the Amalekites beat them and tortured them, and, and cruelly treated them, and God never forgot about it. And that's why God said, Saul, I want you to execute judgment, and I want you to wipe them out. Well, Saul didn't do that. And you know, we talked about it last week. If you missed the, ta- if you missed the teaching, you ought to pick it up. Saul didn't do that We talked about kill Agag or Agag will kill you. If you don't kill your Malachite, your Malachite will kill you. Well, David has had enough. David is sick and tired of being sick and tired. David has finally gotten to the place of surrender to God. David has a revelation. Look at verse six. David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Verse seven, David said to Abathar, the priest. See, verse six is a turning point for David. You taking notes? Verse six is a turning point for David. David said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. The ephod represents prayer. This is the first time in 16 months David has prayed. This is the first time in 16 months David has talked to God. This is the first time in 16 months that David asked the Lord, I got to believe that David is feeling like, man, this feels right. Well, David, in verse 8, inquired of the Lord, God, what do you want us to pursue? God said, go after them and overtake them and get your stuff. And David has learned and, and, and he's tired of fighting his own battles. And now he's learned. Interesting. When Saul had his back against the wall, he called for a witch. David's back is against the wall and he called on the word of God. Well, in verses 9 through 11, David and the men, we talked about it last time where we left off, David and the men went to the brook of Bezor, and 200 of the men couldn't go any further. Now, remember, David had 600 tried and true warriors. 200 of them are so tired, they can't go on, so they stayed behind, and 400 went. Keep in mind the emotional drain for these men. They're worn out. No rest, probably traveling 20, 30 miles a day on foot. They're physically, mentally, spiritually tired. Their wives, their kids are gone. Houses are burned to the ground. They're angry and they want to kill David. All that emotion. You know, emotional stuff is harder than physical stuff. Isn't it right? Emotional stuff can really weigh out. Even harder than physical stuff. Well, I've titled this sermon, The Remedy of Backsliding, You'll know what I'm talking about in just a minute. Let's pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and picking up in verse 11. Okay, so we have a lot to read, so let's take big chunks of it and then we can knock it down, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 30, look at verse 11. If you're looking at verse 11, say amen. And then they found an Egyptian in the field. And they brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate it and they... Let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake, of figs, and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread or drank uh, water for three days and three nights. And then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of Amalekite. Hmm. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the south or the southern area of Caleb. And look at this, saints. We burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, really? Can you take me down to that troop? So he says, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I'll take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over there. All over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And then David attacked them the Amalekites from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. And so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, Spoil or anything which they had taken. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Okay, saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. So the men, David and the 400 men are going after the Amalekites to get their stuff. On the journey, they come across a sick man, a sick young man, collapsed in the wilderness. He hadn't eaten and drank anything in three days. So David, now with a soft heart toward the Lord, verse 12 tells us, they gave him some fig newtons and some raisins. That's what I thought of. Y'all remember fig newtons? I can't stand those things. But that's what they gave him right? And some raisins. Now, listen, it would have been easy for them to keep it moving. But these men showed unexpected kindness and received an unexpected blessing. I'm going to tell you more in a minute. Verse 13, David said, who do you belong to and where are you from? He said, I am, an, I am from Egypt and I'm an Amalekite. He said, I got sick and my master threw me away. Verse 14, then this Egyptian goes on to tell David, he said, we made an invasion on the southern area of Judah and we burned Ziklag. He was one of the guys who helped burn the houses. Did y'all get that? And steal the families. He doesn't know that he burned David's house. Verse 15, I got to believe David's expression changed. And David said, can you show me where the Amalekites troops are? And the boy says, sure, if you promise not to kill me nor deliver me back to my master, because they will kill me. Now, you've heard me say that God uses natural things to accomplish supernatural works. You've heard me say that. Did you get this? They are out looking for the Amalekites, and note the way that God decides they're going to find the Amalekites. is through some very natural event. What's that, Pastor. A sick boy. First of all, David prayed and said, God, should we go? God said, go. David just went. He didn't know really where he was going. But the providential hand of God led him to a sick boy. God uses very natural things in order to accomplish supernatural events. A sick boy. They stop to show kindness to a sick boy, and God supernaturally directs them. If you stop to show kindness, listen, God will supernaturally direct you. Christians, slow down. Slow down. Don't move so quick. Don't be so quick to move. Stop and help an Egyptian. Amen. Amen. Sometimes God is trying to do something supernatural, but we miss it because we're moving so quickly and we're not spiritually looking for these opportunities. That's why it's important that you take time out in the day. I say do it in the morning to have your devotion and speak to God. Because you want to put your day. I'm I'm glad five people agree with that. Goodness gracious. Y'all awake. y'all away. It's good to take time in the morning to speak with God because he's going to set up your day. And you don't know what is ahead of you that day. You don't know that God doesn't have an Egyptian in your way that you need to stop and minister to because God's going to do something very supernatural through that individual. You don't know that. So you've got to seek the Lord and be open to the sovereign hand of God. Think about it. Look at at God's sovereignty here. He was thrown away sick. It's the hand of God that this boy was sick. It was the hand of God that he collapsed right where he collapsed. It was the hand of God that he didn't die before David and his men got there. It was the hand of God that his life was preserved. But you know what I love? I love the fact that David prayed, God, what do you want us to do? Should we go pursue? And God said, get up and go. That makes me think of, if you're taking notes, write this down. That makes me think of Exodus chapter 14. And and you know the story in Exodus chapter 14. Israel is caught between a rock and a hard place. Israel is in a pickle. They're in a tight squeeze. Y'all know there's a place called Tight Squeeze, North Carolina. I did not know that until I had been here like 15 years, and we went that way, and somebody said, oh, as a matter of fact, we were going to visit some parents. Somebody went to church, and we were going to visit their parents. They said, we're going to, I said, where are we going? It's not North Carolina. It's Virginia. Am I right about it? Anybody know? Y'all can't verify it then. Trust me. Tight squeeze, Virginia. I I cannot believe this This is a real town called tight squeeze. So Israel is in a tight squeeze. Israel is caught between a rock and a hard place. You know the story in Exodus chapter 14. Mount Piahireth is on one side and Mount Migdal is on the other side. And the Red Sea is ahead. And the only way out is the way that they came in is to go back. But they can't go back because Pharaoh and his army is in hot pursuit. Pharaoh probably is laughing, thinking, I got him trapped. Well, the children of Israel are complaining to Pastor Moses, and I would tell Pastor Moses, Pastor Moses, get used to it, because that just comes along with the job, people complaining.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.